0: the action network podcast named best betting podcast or radio show by the fantasy sports and gaming association and the number one show for the invested
1: sports fan
0: What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the week four college football betting preview. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. Are you ready to welcome the SEC into the mix? I've,
2: I've, I'm so ready. I've got all my little helmets out on my desk. i got every single SEC team. I've just been, like, setting them out, getting them ready to put on the TV, uh, getting ready to be wrong about Mike Leach. I'm ready to, you know, as a magician would just kind of pull the wool off of this entire conference and and look at everything that's been going on since we last saw everybody play.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to dive into some of these games. We're going to talk a lot of SEC. We'll talk some Miami, Florida State. We'll make sure we get to at least one game in every conference this weekend. Later on in the show, I'll also uh, talk about my trip to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. As a result of betting Middle Tennessee State, who plays tonight, if you listen to this on Friday. So we'll cover Friday Night Lights. I want Middle Tennessee State removed from the app, removed from my betting accounts. Unfortunately, that is not an option, but we'll get to that as well. But before we get into the marquee games, just want to remind everyone about the Action Pods Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. It's a free weekly Yahoo DFS tournament specifically for our podcast listeners. And it's really easy to join. You just click on the link in our episode description for completely free to join. There's no rake. The top 10 weekly finishers receive over $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes. And the top five finishers each week punch their ticket to the Wild Card Weekend Grand Finale, where they'll compete for the grand prize, which is a trip to Vegas for two valued at over $5,000, courtesy of BetMGM. So again, just it's every week. You don't have to join every week, but any week you want to go join... Just click on the link in our description, and if you finish in the top 10, you'll get a prize. If you finish in the top five, you'll automatically uh, get a spot in the Tournament of Champion at the end of the year for a chance to win a trip to Vegas. Um, All right, so let's get in to our marquee games of the week. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups. We'll all end up betting for week four. All right, let's start with an SEC game, which is at noon. It's in a in a week weekend full of a, a lot of large spreads in the SEC. You know, you're gonna see 27 and a half, 28, 30 and a half. This is one of the more intriguing games of the weekend, and I'm referring to Kentucky at Auburn. At BetMGM. MGM, Auburn is currently a seven and a half point favorite over under has ticked up a few points to 49 and a half. Kentucky's obviously a program on the rise in my backyard here in Lexington. They didn't have a winning season from 2010 to 2015. They've had four straight since the big question coming into the year is how will they replace Lynn Bowden? He was their do everything quarterback. He was their leading rusher. He was actually their leading receiver. Uh, for a team that didn't throw, really, once he took over at quarterback. You have to replace him. You do have an experienced quarterback that will take over and Terry Wilson. He's 12-3 and three as a starter, so it's not like you're going to a freshman or someone who's ne- never played before. And Wilson will have the benefit of a really, really good offensive line, one of the best in, in the nation. You know, two or three potential all-SEC offensive linemen. He'll bring all three of his top backs back this year. The receiving core is a complete unknown because, like I said, they didn't throw last year. So Terry Wilson is obviously not Lin Bowden. They're going to have to throw more this year. Uh, it's going to be still be a run-heavy offense, but uh, you don't really know what you're getting from the receiving group. But Kentucky brings back seven of its top nine tacklers on a defense, a three three five defense that finished in the top 20 in scoring last year and number two in the country in pass defense. They allowed 167.8 yards per game. I'll let you get into Auburn, Bo Nix season.
1: Bo Nix season in full effect.
0: They're replacing a lot on the offensive line and the defensive line and in the secondary. But Bo Nix is back for a sophomore campaign with a lot of talent at the skill positions. I'll let you get into them. But I just want to cover this. That Kentucky number two pass defense ranking is the most ridiculous ranking I've ever seen for a team. So they gave up 167 yards per game last year. Let's look at their 2019 opponents. Toledo, 85th in passing offense. Guadani, their starting quarterback, gets hurt in the game. And then a, a freshman, uh, Carter, comes in and he is absolutely miserable. But Toledo didn't have a good passing offense. They only faced two top 50 passing offenses last year. Here's one of them. Eastern Michigan, in game two, they were finished 28th. Glass through for 340 yards. Week three, they played Florida the 16th-ranked passing offense. Florida threw for 300 yards, and this is when Franks gets hurt. Trask comes in in the fourth quarter. He throws for like 150, and they outscore Kentucky 19-0 in the fourth quarter. So after those three games, you know, Godwine gets hurt. Eastern Michigan throws over 300. Florida throws over for 300. You're not saying this Kentucky secondary is all world. Here's who they play the rest of, uh, rest of the season. Mississippi State, 109th. South Carolina, 74th. Arkansas, 103rd. Georgia, 72nd in a monsoon. Missouri, 73rd in a monsoon. Tennessee, 75th. Vanderbilt, 115th. UT Martin, Louisville, 65th in a monsoon. And then Virginia Tech, 86, and they gave up uh, 30 points. So basically they played, after that week three, they played nothing but passing offenses ranked 74th or worse. And in a number of games, they played in monsoons which doesn't matter to their offense. They didn't pass it. So I'm not a buyer in this being like a really good secondary. Maybe it ends up being, but don't take any of the numbers from last year. It's complete mirage. So I think Bo Nix is going to have success throwing the ball with all of his, you know, his lot of speed, Schwartz, and everyone is back from the receiving core. So I would love to get Auburn minus seven here. What are your thoughts?
2: I would love to get Auburn minus seven too. I, I, I make this game nine projections, you know, you and I are kind of loose on the projections the first three or four weeks. So we get a lot of data in, but I mean, I think, you know, Auburn at seven is a buy and, and we can see that in the market. Anytime that it's dipped down and got to seven, uh, it quickly comes back up. So I expect it to hang at seven and a half. I mean, if it, if it crosses the six and a half on Saturday morning, then there's got to be something COVID or injury-related. Uh, but you can hit the nail on the head with, with Kentucky. I mean, there were so many monsoons and bad passing teams that they, they went up against. It's really not fair. The problem with backing Auburn is that their trenches have been gutted. Offensive linemen, uh, Brandon Council, Nick, Nick Brahms, they're the only ones to come back with starting experience on the defensive line. Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson's gone. Uh, you know, Auburn's secondary – Gutted. And what they do have coming back is Bo Nix, and he's got you know Seth Williams, Eli Stove, Anthony Schwartz. I mean, we're talking like an extremely talented, skillful passing set. But Nix has got to get a little bit better at throwing the ball. And where I get uncomfortable backing Auburn, especially you know at seven and a half, I'd feel better at seven. Is that if you go deep into his numbers last year, I know he was a true freshman, but this has to this has to improve this stat: 109 pressured dropbacks. He took 17 sacks and had 18 throwaways and a completion rate of 27% in 109 pressure dropbacks. You don't need to be Joe Burrow. You don't need to be Tua. You just, you need to be better than 27%. You need, I mean, 40% we'll, we'll take, right? Uh, so, you know, Bo Nix, when he's got a hand in his face, he has not been a good quarterback whatsoever. Clean pocket, clean vision. He's fine. So, I'm a little bit nervous with the offensive line situation, considering Nixon needs uh, a clean look. I'm not comfortable with Chad Morris being the offensive coordinator. I contend to everybody that he's not really the one calling the plays. Uh, There's nothing that's going in for Bo Nix to run that isn't stamped by Gus Malzahn. Really, Chad Morris, you're only there to take the fall when it doesn't work, and Gus can say, "Eh, yeah, wasn't me. Give me another – add another year to my contract. So, you know, if you look at the Kentucky side, Terry Wilson has plenty of experience, played in 2018, got injured last year, is, uh, you know, uh, set that whole thing in motion with, with Lynn Bowden, you know, and, and the X factor could be Auburn's, you know, transfer quarterback, quarterback Joey Gatewood. You know, this is a guy that was supposed to beat out Bownick's last year, and as of like two or three hours ago, He's not been cleared by the SEC Commissioner, Greg Sankey, So I'm not saying he would have a huge impact in this game, but it is another option for Kentucky, a dual threat option that we have yet to see get on the field. And there's definitely probably something inside this kid that wants to get out there and play Auburn pretty bad. Uh, I may look over considering the tempo that Morris wants to run in this game. The weapons that Knicks has are going to be able to go downfield. Uh, the dual threat capability of Terry Wilson and just the gutting of the, uh, of the front defensive line of Auburn there. I think there could be some points here. So I, I my look is to the over and I definitely want seven if I'm going to back Auburn.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I I still think, I mean, Auburn still has two really good defensive linemen and they brought in a number of really high level recruits and, they have one of the best, yeah. Big Cap <laughs> Brian is back Truesdale, and I mean they got Hardy and Walker and Rodney Garner. Man, he can coach defensive lines, and they just they get freshmen in there and they just dominate. Obviously, they recruit really well. I just think Kentucky Bowden did so much for them, and this defense is a bit overrated. They have some, they do bring back seven of their top nine tackles, but they have some losses at linebacker, and they just benefited from such a easy schedule of pass offenses and weather that their defense is being overvalued here. The Auburn offensive line, four new starters, it does worry me a bit. But I think Bo Nix is going to take a jump here. It's a return, one of two returning quarterbacks that started the beginning of last year that's going to start this year, Auburn and, and Texas a and uh, I think that's that's big here. So, yeah, I like Auburn, too. We'll be looking to either get the minus seven live, maybe throw them in a money line parlay. And I'll be at a bar in Lexington with a bunch of Kentucky fans watching. Come to Stagger in, by the way, if you're around. I'll, drinks on me. All right. Let's move on to our second marquee game of the day. We have four this week. The next three will all be at in prime time. Uh, let's let's talk some Alabama. Uh, Alabama is at BetMGM. Alabama is currently a 28-point favorite over Missouri. Uh, Over/under 55 and a half. This game is at 7 Eastern on ESPN in Columbia. Uh, Missouri's a mess. I mean, they lose so it's amazing that their offensive line struggled so bad last year, and they have three offensive linemen from that team that are now on NFL rosters. They have a new coach in, in Drinkwitz who's going to run a new offensive scheme. You know, they lost a tight end to the NFL as well. They still haven't named a starting quarterback. They might be going with two quarterbacks. It's it's just a complete mess. The defense was, was really good last year, but they've lost some pieces at corner. Uh, they benefited from a pretty easy schedule as well. I don't think that the Missouri numbers were as good as they seemed, they seem to make that defense. My angle in this game, uh, this is the one team I can feel really confident that's going to come out on fire, especially after last season, not making the college football playoff, is a Nick Saban-led team. Continuity of, of the coordinators, too. Mac Jones under center. This offensive line is one of the best in the nation. Running backs are stacked. Wide receivers, we lost a couple of wide receivers. I don't know, Could be just as good. The defense, we think, is going to be a lot better this year. I mean, I think Missouri's going to be a mess. I think Alabama comes out with its hair on fire.
2: I'm going to tell you what. If I had a barometer up your ass to say whether you were giving effort or not, it was about 50%. Why did you push yourself?
0: We know Saban at times can struggle 28, 35-point favorites, and he might, you know, go vanilla and rest guys late. I'm joining the square bandwagon. I actually just bet this. I actually just bet this as we were recording and put it in the app. I'll join the square party, Alabama First half under set minus set 17. I mean, I don't know what this Missouri offense can do. And this Alabama defense is going to be really motivated after a disappointing year. And the offense should move the ball at will. They should control the line of scrimmage. Missouri doesn't get any pressure. Mac Jones should have all day to throw to an elite group of receivers. Now, give me Bama first half. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, that's what I uh, was able to bet on early in the week and caught 15 and a half. I think if you want to avoid paying 17 or 17 and a half, you probably should get it as quick as possible. And, you know, before I get into that, the Missouri playing two quarterbacks, I actually have heard they might play all five quarterbacks. So, I mean, it's wow. going to be very interesting to see who we have under center the entire game. They've had COVID issues week after week after week. I believe 12 yep. about last week, seven to eight. I, there's a lot. Uh, and Drinkwitz is completely open about his, about who has COVID issues. Like he's like sweating in a Catholic church about being honest with his priest about who all has got COVID. He'll tell you anything. Uh, you know, I mean, so he, he did make a good decision in bringing uh, you know, keeping uh, defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters, who was uh, you know, under Barry Odom for a while. And uh, Missouri put up some great defensive numbers for uh, you know, as far as Missouri is concerned. Uh, so keeping him and, and doing the same schemes that's this plus on the defensive side, but Drinkwitz, I don't know the second they started having spring the second they started you know august camp and i don't want to get too much into coach speak and believe him but he's always saying it's going to take a really long time for this group to grasp the kind of offensive philosophy that i've got going in now sometimes i don't believe head coaches but it seems like Drinkwitz wants to be so truthful about everything maybe i do need to believe him but let's switch over to the i mean this is a completely inflated number so taking the first half is the way to go if you remember 2018 Alabama covered nine first halves in a row. Uh, It got so bad that Vegas was starting to put out point spreads of – The first halves were
0: almost as big as the game lines.
2: Yeah, the first halves were like minus 28, and the game line was minus 35. And I think if you're going to play Alabama, that's the way to go. Pete Golding is their defensive coordinator. He's got everybody healthy. He's run havoc defenses since he was at UTSA. Shout out to Meet Me, you know, five years ago. Meet Me. Uh, This is one defensive coordinator that knows how to force fumbles tackles for loss. Uh, He finally has a healthy unit. Uh, And when you look on the other side of the ball, the more, I mean, the more off season work I did, the more I like Mac Jones. I mean, I, I really, I thought was down on Mac Jones. Maybe it was just, I didn't think he could fill to his shoes, but the more you look at Mac Jones, there was no efficiency drop off under pressure whatsoever. He had a 62% uh, completion rate, on passes that went 10 yards or more. He can throw it deep. He has a great completion rate throwing it deep. Uh, no drop off when there's pressure whatsoever. And then you consider that his games were against Mississippi State, against Auburn. He had a bowl game. I mean, he, he did not face the cupcakes uh, that Tua got early in the schedule. So, you know, I think this number is completely inflated. It's way over where Action Network's projection is, where things like and it's, it's huge. But, you know, considering the circumstances with what Missouri is bringing to the table, the COVID issues, the five quarterbacks, the different scheme, uh, I think it's justified that the number's that big. Now, the one thing that I would say in taking a first half over a full game is that the, one of the biggest games in the SEC West is next week, and that's Alabama and Texas A&M. And if Alabama wants to get up by 35 at halftime and go vanilla the rest of the game, they might do that. Saban might choose to do that. Now, I would prefer the Saban that wants to be scorched earth. I want the Saban that didn't make the college football playoff and wants to remind everybody that this Titanic is not sinking after you know a decade of dominance. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, Texas, A&M is, Texas A&M is on deck, so I will take a first half here uh,
0: along with you. Yeah, Missouri's – I mean, Missouri's defense, it's, I, I, I like the scheme. A lot of times they'll play with like a five-man defensive front, and they really stop the run on early downs and force you into third-down situations. But, I mean, Alabama's offensive line is going to is gonna move mountains this year, and they're going to be able to run the ball. And Missouri doesn't get pressure on third downs. And they're re- they need to replace Elliott, who was drafted in the middle of that defensive line, They lost their star corner to Marcus AC, and they're replacing him with a true freshman. And uh, Alabama has some scary receivers that I think can take advantage. All right, let's move on to our third marquee game of the day, and we'll move to the last SEC marquee game of the day. That's Tennessee at South Carolina. Currently, up at MGM, Tennessee is a three and a half point favorite over under forty three and a half. This game's at seven thirty Eastern on the SEC network. I think we're in agreement on this game. I made South Carolina closer to a pick, which I think you did as well. I took South Carolina plus three and a half. I also took some under forty four. There's a lot of uncertainty in this game. Tennessee's won won six straight to end, end the season last year. Their defense really played well, um, so there was there's a lot more optimism from Vols fans than there has been in recent years, but there's still Jared Guarantano, at quarterback who I'm just not a fan of. And uh, Harrison Bailey. Now he's going to be the next star quarterback at Tennessee. You can have, get really excited about him, but Guarantano, I just not a believer, you know, he has three of his top four receivers are gone. Jennings and Callaway were huge last year. So it's, it's basically just Josh Palmer back in the receiving core and they, and Vilas Jones came in as a transfer from USC they're starting tight end, Austin Pope's also out. He's also important in the running game. The offensive line is really the strong suit of Tennessee. I mean, at their peak potential this year, they could have all five starters over 300 pounds and like all five stars. But Cade Mays still hasn't received – he got an exemption. He got cleared by the NCAA, but he hasn't received clearance for the SEC. You know, and he's going to – piece all SEC potential. And Wanya Morris, their left tackle, he's listed as – he's a – all second team, all sec. He's listed as an, or on the depth chart. He has been in quarantine and, and dealing with a, a nagging injury. So he might not go. So this, this offensive line isn't at its, it's not going to be at its peak. Maybe Mays will get cleared in time. Maybe Morris is fully healthy, but there's definitely questions on the offensive line. The defense is solid for Tennessee. And then on the South Carolina side, you have to replace Kinlaw in the middle. He was huge for their defense last year, but they do have a five star in Pickens who's going to try and do that they have a really good secondary so does tennessee which i think this is game is just going to be really ugly and but i like a few things on south carolina mainly they named colin hill colin with two l's well, their starting quarterback mike bobo comes in as a new offensive coordinator so you say hey new new scheme new quarterback that's not good after you know after this no spring and short and summer preparation but colin hill has played under bobo's system before and there's a lot of familiarity there he has a bigger arm i think he's more depth of passing downfield. But Bobo's had a lot of comments saying like, I'm shocked that we threw the ball more than LSU last year and we want to run the ball. And so, uh, you know, and they lost Brian Edwards to the NFL receiver. They basically just have shy Smith back in a lot of question marks against the ball secondary. So I think it's going to be a lot of running. Hill will take a couple shots, connect on a few, which I think will be the difference. One of the biggest things for me is there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of COVID issues with Tennessee. I don't know how much this team is gelled. I think, They said that they've only had like 15 full practices. At times, they've had 40 to 50 players out of practice. So I I think that this Tennessee team might be really rusty. I'll take the better quarterback here, and I'll take the under in a game that I think it's going to be be ugly. It's going to be how Muschamp wants it. It's going to be a mucked-up game.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you don't like Garantano, I'll just throw on to that. I don't like Jim Chaney. I mean, this is the offensive coordinator that was at Georgia. He wasn't fired, but he mutually parted ways with Kirby Smart, essentially because he couldn't get any points when they got into the red zone. Comes over to Tennessee last year. The offense finished 84th in success rate. That's not the bump the volunteers were looking for on offense. Uh, you know, they returned 69% of their defense, but that ranked 70, they ranked 77th in pass breakups and just 33rd in sacks. So I'm prefacing all that to say they're not batting passes down and they're not getting to the quarterback. And that's going to be a really big deal against South Carolina because for the first time in forever, the Jake, Jake Bentley years, and, and I can just slew quarterbacks, South Carolina actually has somebody that can throw it down the field. The biggest issue in the passing game last year was throwing it down the field. Helensky had just nine completions of 20 yards or more. Nine completions of 20 yards or more and 430 dropbacks. I've never seen more passes, short dink and dunk. that You couldn't find another offense like that, but that has all changed. Mike Bobo comes in. If you don't know anything about Colorado State offenses over the past couple of years, why don't you go ask uh, Chad Morris, who was at Arkansas, where Mike Bobo and Colin Hill threw for about 800 yards uh, right over the Razorbacks' head. Uh, This is going to be a deep-throwing offense. Uh, Bobo ran 11 personnel and a 75% pass distribution. I mean, running the ball, (laughs) first and 10, I think we're passing. Uh, Third and three, I think we're passing. I mean, 75% pass distribution out of 11 uh, at Colorado State. Uh, You know, Colin Hill was uh, 23 to 11 TD to INT rate. He had 3,300 passing yards. Uh, he knows Mike Bobo's offense better than any other quarterback in the world that could come in and run for, to do this for South Carolina all the way. I mean, it's at three and a half. It's it, it's touched some fours. I'll take that three and a half, and 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 we'll we'll look at that money line a little bit on on the Gamecocks.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on on the Bobo offense. Usually, I just think that he's going to run it a little more early, and then if they do throw it downfield, the the options aren't great against an experienced Tennessee secondary led by Bryce Thompson at corner, but. Another thing that does benefit the under is Pruitt is extremely familiar with Mike Bobo. So, like, they served on the same staff. They know each other's systems really well. I mean, they're really good friends. They used to live in the same neighborhood in Athens. So there's a lot of familiarity here, knowing what they're going to run. But So I think it's actually going to be a run – it's going to be a downfield passing attack overall this year. I think in the first game, and hopefully Colin Hill can see – stay healthy i mean he's at three yeah. torn acls crazy i think it's going to be a, a heavier run base attack for this game in particular based on some of the quotes i've been reading but i think it's an ugly game both defenses performing better than the offenses and it comes down to a couple plays here and there and i trust hill to make those plays over guardana imagine if, um,
2: imagine our, if debo but, samuel was still around for this passing attack that would have been tremendous
0: then or edwards from last year yeah or edwards All right, let's move on to our final marquee game of the weekend, and we're going to shift over to the ACC, and we're going to talk Florida State-Miami. Currently at BetMGM, Miami is an 11.5-point favorite, over under 54.5. This is a fascinating game. We've talked about Miami and the rise of the U, and is the U back, and they have Clemson next week, and they've they're started off 2-0. and they beat UAB. They looked impressive against Louisville, a game you nailed. Uh, this game is at 7.30 Eastern at Hard Rock Stadium on ABC, by the way. Florida State, meanwhile, is, had the complete opposite start. They, lo- they were upset by Georgia Tech at home. Mike Norvell, their head coach, is not going to be on the sidelines. Calls all their plays. He has COVID. But there's a couple things that I like about Florida State. Number one, the spot. This is a spot Miami has laid an egg in. I mean, what, Manny Diaz is 8-7 and seven at his time in Miami. Three of those seven losses, he was a double-digit favorite. This game really reminds me of 2018. Miami was hyped. I think they were 4-0. and They were ranked coming in. They were 14-point favorites over Florida State. They were down 27-7. They ended up coming back and winning 28-27. But you know Florida State will be up for this game. These are new schemes. They played a ton of freshman and first-time players, especially along the offensive line, in that first game against Georgia Tech. So now you you know you got that experience you got that game out of the way now you had two weeks to prepare for Miami you can make adjustments and there's there's a couple things worth noting in that game you had you know their best players on defense number so one they had four offensive linemen get hurt during the game and you know their best player Love Taylor their best offensive lineman he got hurt at the end he had to go out his backup came and got beaten. and then there was a forced fumble on a sack and that's how they lost the game but Kando who's their who's their best defensive end. He left the game. It, apparently, he's going to play. He's on the depth chart. And then Nazarel Dean, he is their best safety. And he didn't play. He's been on the depth chart, and it looks like he's going to play. He's getting drafted maybe in, in the first two rounds. He flies around the field. He's the leader on that defense. So, basically, you were playing without a number of offensive linemen. And it's all freshmen on the left side. You know, you, you lost your best edge rusher. You, did work, you were playing without your star safety. All those guys should be back, according to the depth chart. Offensive is fully healthy, and then all the defense is back. So it wasn't your full Florida State roster, and there were some unfortunate injuries throughout. I expect the defense to be a lot better in this game under Adam Fuller. I mean, Georgia Tech had 18 plays at 10-plus yards. It was not great, but this was not what the Florida State defense is going to look like all year. Miami offensive line is a lot better with Jared Williams, but they're, it's not been efficient. I heard you talk about this on an interview. I think uh, I'm sure you're going to talk about it again. They've just been relying on a lot of explosive plays. This will be the best secondary, the best defensive line with Marvin Wilson and Kando on the edge that they'll have faced this year. I know the Florida State offense is ugly with Blackman and a, and a young offensive line, but the Miami defense has some holes that you can exploit. Look out for Terry on screens, look out for some big plays from Terry, the scripted portion early, when Blackman's most comfortable, they might have some success. But I think Florida State comes out with their hair on fire here. Miami might be a little – caught a little looking ahead, a little overconfident and sleepy. I make this under 10, so I took 11-and-a-half. It's scary, but I had to take the value. And there's there's some things that I like about Florida State that I can kind of toss out from that first game. And thoughts here?
2: Yeah, it was a little scary earlier in the week taking Florida State, you know, at 11-and-a-half. I, I remember – plunking the money down and putting it in the app and thinking, did did I really just do this? Uh, But, you know, I mean, it's a rivalry game, but is there a letdown factor after a huge primetime road victory for Miami? I mean, it's just, this is sports. This is how these things work. Uh, You know, Miami is living and dying. And like I've said it before, they're living and dying on the offensive explosiveness. They are number one in the country right now in EPA, uh, expected points on every offensive play. Um, They have become the king of busted play, you know, busted big play. They're the, they're the Russell Wilson. Every time you bet against the Seahawks, that dude runs for 25 yards and ruins your bet. So, you know, it, it Miami's offensive success rate is actually outside the top 40. And there's only been like, what, 52, 53 teams play? And their offensive success rate is outside the top 40. So we're not moving the chains. We're just highly explosive. And remember, they, you know, uh, they rank an offensive success rate. They rank around Western Kentucky and UTEP. So that's, you know, that that's not good. And uh, if they go up against a defense that can limit their explosiveness, a t- uh, you know, a defense that has a lot of athleticism and can tackle in space, which Florida State has, that's going to be a problem. Florida State's defense right now has posted the fifth best number against explosiveness. Now I know who they played and I know they're not very explosive, but you know, we're going to use some stats so far. Florida State's looked pretty good at stopping the big play, uh, particularly on passing downs. That ranking was even better. No, Mike Norvell makes me a little nervous because when he's at Memphis, when he's at, you know, he he is in so much control of the play calling. I don't think anybody's ever called plays for him. He's always been the one. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm sure every play that goes in has been pre-approved and uh, that the game plan will be set. Their offensive line issues are getting better. The number should be around seven and a half, eight. So 11 and a half is too many. Uh, overreaction to how great Miami looks. Uh, we'll see if Florida State can finish it out and get the cover.
0: Yeah, I mean, Black. it's scary back, backing Blackman. I mean, he was he was good in that scripted portion. I think he was 16-34 for 130 yards over the final 40 minutes of that game. And then you see what, what happened with Georgia Tech and UCF, and you say, oof. But, again, it's just one game, and you can't overreact too much. I expect this game to be close. But if it got ugly and Miami wanted to uh, run it up, I wouldn't shock me. Before we cover a game or two from every conference now and go through the rest of the slate, here's a quick word from our friends at BetMGM.
1: The NFL season is upon us and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show.
0: All right, let's go conference by conference now, the conferences that are playing, and cover a game in each conference. Uh, Unfortunately, this week, just like last week, some of my favorite games have been postponed. Postponed. Houston I don't know if they're ever going to play a game this year um I can't bet Arkansas State I wanted to bet Jay Adams the most electrifying player in college football Guess who? Jonathan Adams that
1: is an unbelievable catch that is like OBJ corner this time oh Adams what a play you would have thought he was LeBron James posting up
0: stop it this is not real this kid is amazing I, would, wanted bet, I wanted to bet against Florida Atlantic again. Am I ever going to get to do that? Nope. That game was postponed as well. So we'll see if there's any more here. But uh, as you get closer to Friday, the chances do go down. All right, let's start with the AAC. And let's talk Army Cincy, a battle of two ranked teams. At Bed and Jim, Cincinnati is a 13.5-point favorite over under 45. Obviously, when you talk Army, you have to talk triple option. Hey, you maggots, understand that? Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sir, yes, sir. I, I still don't know what to take from Army. You know, I was down on them this year, but and they've looked great. They've played Middle Tennessee State and Louisiana Monroe. I mean, are those the worst two teams in, in the country potentially? Uh, maybe. So I don't know how much you can take from them. So then – you know, Cincinnati, they blew out Austin P. I mean, can't take anything from that game, too. But coming into the season, Cincinnati was a legit, you know, top 25 team. Now I say to myself, okay, does Cincinnati face a triple option? When I went back in time for Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman, their defensive coordinator, they played Navy in 2017 and got waxed. They gave up 600 yards rushing, they lost 42 32. Navy just embarrassed that defense. So Cincinnati went back to the drawing board. The next year in 2018, they played Navy again and they held them to 124 yards and won 42 nothing, changed a bunch of things on the defense and completely dominated the game on the defensive side. They run a lot of three man fronts, but they're probably going to go with more four man fronts this week to stop the option. They have a couple of guys on the defensive line that were, you know, Dunlinco and White that were on that 2018 team that completely shut down Navy's triple option attack. So that gives me some confidence that Cincinnati, and I love Freeman, their defense coordinator, is going to be a head coach somewhere, uh, and Fickle, that they're going to be prepared. They at least know how to coach up a defense to get ready for a triple option attack. I think you might, like Cincy, it goes against everything inside of me to to bet against a – Service Academy as a double-digit dog. It's very difficult to cover against them because there's so few possessions. The clock's always running. I'm leaning to an under here. I think Cincinnati's D is going to shut down Army. But it's just hard for me to get a read on Army after two – they just played two cupcakes. So what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, you made
2: – the biggest point of this entire handicap was Luke Fickle in Cincinnati getting blown out in 2017, them coming back to spring practice and summer camp uh, – fall camp and uh, putting in extra work for the triple option in 2018, just blowing the doors off of Navy. They have taken a similar approach this year. They have had a month to prepare. This this game was announced a month ago. They've had a month to prepare, and they've done a lot of work around the triple option. If you haven't faced them before, sometimes you don't take it seriously, and uh, Luke Fickle's not going to be caught off guard here in this game with the with the triple option, and they have nine returning starters on defense. Uh, we're talking some just some horses on the defensive side of the ball, some guys that are probably going to be playing on Sunday. And they fill the gaps. I mean, last year they were top 30 in line yards, top 30 in stuff rate. Uh, These guys can fill the A, B, and C gap. Uh, They're they're going to be able to stop the triple option. Um, You know, we look at Cincinnati's only game, and I know what their competition was, but they had nine tackles per loss. Um, You know, they had nine stuff runs. Uh, they They only allowed four yards per play in rushing attempts. The bulk of their returning production is all in the front seven. Uh, and I think you have to turn around and look like I, you know, Cincinnati's such a defensive team and they're great in the front seven and they've proven it with experience before and a head coach has proven it before. Let's look at the army side. How high is army stock? I mean, really it, it's like, it, it's like free money for everybody now to jump on army right here and take the points, especially with the total so low, this must be the easiest bet on the board uh, because there's not going to be that many points. You can get two, two scores with army. Uh, Army's forced 6 turnovers on ULM and Middle Tennessee State. Uh, so Desmond Ritter's got to have, a, you know, an efficient game. Garrett Dukes, they've got to protect the ball. Offensive line must dominate the trench. Uh, they probably should against this Army front four. You know, Army has scored a touchdown. Or this is a stat. I like, you know, Army has scored a touchdown or run out the clock on 12 of 17 drives this year. They've had no adversity in any game whatsoever. They're now playing on the road. But, I mean, look at that. I mean, it's ULM that was in the bottom 10 of FBS and defending the rush, and they lost their defensive coordinators. Middle Tennessee, who's a, a joke. We'll get to them later. Army stock right now is as high as it possibly could be. Cincinnati, we know, is a defensive uh, variable that we can count on. You know, I I mean, I even power rated at 15, so I was glad to get it under 14. But I'm all on Cincy in this up until the number of 14. I think the defense is going to get the job done. Just no turnovers from Ritter. We'll be fine.
0: Yeah, the other thing that I I like the under also, I mean, I think Cincinnati's defense is going to ball out. I'm not a huge fan of Ritter. That offensive line isn't great, and their leading receiver is out. So, you know, it's not – An offense that's just going to completely explode um, against a reasonable defense. So, I like the under forty-five. I like the under forty-five, and I I don't. I never mind going on an under with a service academy team. After evaluating millions of pieces of data in the blink of an
2: eye, the Gambletron Two Thousand says the winner is Cincinnati
0: by two hundred points. Why, you worthless hunk of junk! All right, up next, let's go to the ACC, and let's talk a little Louisville-Pitt at MGM. Pitt is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-under is 54-and-a-half. Uh, I took Pitt, minus two-and-a-half. I make this a tad over four. I'm a huge believer in the Pitt defense. I love that. I mean, they have NFL talent all over from the defensive line, which is scary good, uh, especially on the edges and with Weaver and company. And then on the back end, there's talent. Paris Ford at safety is one of the best in the country. This defense can ball and pick it. I'm a believer in him taking the next step this year from what I've seen. You know, it's not been against the greatest competition. And last week, I think they struggled a little bit seeing that 3-3-5 of Syracuse. Um, but it's a Louisville defense. I haven't seen much improvement from them. This is still a defense that you can shred. So I think basically what this comes down to, and Louisville still has a very explosive offense with their three-headed monster. They're going to make plays as they normally do. But what I think this comes down to is I trust the pit defense to get more stops uh, than Louisville. So I'm rolling with the Panthers to move to three and What are your thoughts on this game?
2: Yeah, it's a no play for me, but, uh, you know, I wanted to, initially my thoughts were is I wanted to take Louisville and I started off the week that way. And you know, just realizing that defensive end Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver for Pitt, they're going to be able to contain Cunningham and keep him in the pocket from getting out there and running around. So that kind of led me down the path of looking, you know, what is their passing game been? They've been 50-50 run pass out of 11 personnel, 62% from 12. So they're – they are they telegraph if they're going to run or if they're going to pass. But if they can't run against this defense, there's going to be some, you know, there's, there's going to be some problems here because all they're going to have left is to pass the ball, and that might not work against Pitt either. The one thing that kept me off this game, the big stat that I just could not get past was that Pitt leads the nation in havoc. Uh, They have 22 tackles for loss so far this season. Louisville's offense has allowed 20 tackles for loss. Um, That offensive line is allowing uh, a lot of that could be Cunningham trying to make things happen, but 20 tackles for loss so far on your off, but you know, from your offensive line, that's supposed to be dominating people. And you know Pitt's defensive front seven is leading the nation in tackles for loss and in havoc. Uh, that's not a good combination. So I'm not really sure I'm up for getting behind Louisville in this spot. I'm more intent to sit back and, and see if they can deal with a really tough defense. I mean, I'd like to back ten
0: defense know. in my opinion.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, the the lean for me was was Louisville. Uh, the line is extremely slow. I mean, low. I, if Pitt was around five or six, you know. Uh, yeah, I would I would back them, but no, I, I I'm gonna this is a stay away for me because I just want to see Louisville survive uh, against this defense.
0: All right, let's move on to the Big 12 and talk a little Iowa State TCU. I'm at BetMGM right now. Iowa State's a two and a half point favorite over under 44 and a half. I think I'm on an island here on Iowa State. I haven't seen anyone that likes Iowa State except me, and they looked awful in their first game, but. They have a couple things working for them. First of all, that game was not as bad as it looked. We've talked about this. Louisiana, two yeah. special teams touchdowns and an 80-yard touchdown, right? Now, Brock Purdy was awful, had the worst game of his career, but he didn't have Charlie Kohler, their star tight end, who's going to play in the NFL, arguably the best tight end in all of college football. hes They've had two weeks since that game. He's practiced. He traveled with the team. He's officially day-to-day. I think he's going to play, taking a risk on that because he's the key to their offense, Both of their guards went down with injuries, including Trevor Downing, who's probably their best offensive lineman. He went out in the first half, didn't return. Him and Hudson, their two starting guards, they're both listed as day-to-day. They both traveled the team. I think they're both going to play. So this is an undermanned offense. The defense played fine, and it's still a really good Iowa State defense. The advantage that they have here is that they've played a game already, and they've had two weeks since to make adjustments, and they've got the rust off, and they have a really good coach and Matt Campbell that I trust. I mean, he also is really strong against the spread. He usually exceeds odds maker's expectations. 54, 39, and three against the spread as a head coach. It's 58%. As an underdog or favorite of three or less, he's 31, 13, and one against the spread over 70%. I actually was coming into the year, wanted to back TCU early in the year. This is a team that was unlucky last year in turnovers, unlucky in red zone defense. And as a result, I think they had six losses, losses—what six one-possession losses. So you would think that, you know, the turnovers, the red zone, that will regress, and then those close losses will turn to close wins this year. But this is just a tough spot for them, having in their first game, playing a team that's already played, and they're dealing with a lot of turnover. They have a new quarterback, and a you know, former walk-on at Georgia, and Downing is going to make his – First career start against a really good Iowa State defense. They lost Rager to the NFL. They lost their top running back. You know, they lost three off starting offensive linemen, including both tackles. The offensive line's still a big question mark. The defense should be really good still, that 4 5 that Gary Patterson runs. But they did lose Blacklock, their defensive tackle to the NFL, a second round draft pick. And they lost Gladney, their corner, as a first round draft pick. So there's some talent that's gone. The safeties, maybe the best duo in college football. The linebackers are excellent. The defense will still be good. Um, but I just think this comes down to Iowa State already having played, being able to make adjustments, and they have the much more experienced and talented quarterback, um, which I think at, in the end is going to make the difference here. I am counting on their guards, and, and especially Kohler playing at tight end. He's just the key to their offense. He's basically a free tight end, a free touchdown in the game. So I'm rolling with Iowa State here. I just like the spot and I'm trusting them to get healthier and, and rebound from that mess to start the year. Thoughts?
2: Yeah, I have this game line as a pick, so I didn't want to take Iowa state uh, and have to swallow some points on the road. Uh, Iowa state team that I think needs to get into an offensive rhythm, no matter uh, if some of their skill position players play or not, you know, it's not Brocktober yet. That'll be next weekend. I'm sure it's just an auto play for me. Uh, TCU, you know, Max Duggan's cleared. He came to practice. Uh, I don't think he's going to play, but that's huge news for them. We didn't think he was going to play the entire season, obviously recovering from a procedure that he had, I think, a month ago. So I don't think he's going to play in this game. So it looks like Matthew Downing, who had already won the starting job, uh, he's going to be the one to play in this. So there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of COVID on TCU in in the preparation for this game. Uh, Iowa State, I need to see some offensive rhythm before I get behind them. So it's a pass for me until next week with the Cyclones.
0: All right, let's move on to Conference USA and talk a little Georgia State-Charlotte at Bet MGM currently. Georgia State's a three-point favorite. I'm on Georgia State minus one. I like them up to minus three. I liked what I saw from Georgia State in their opener against Louisiana in a game that they probably should have won. And there's a lot of questions about Charlotte and who's going to play and which quarterback's available I'm hearing from a little birdie that three starting offensive linemen and their starting tight end are out, so nothing confirmed there. But I'm rolling with Georgia State uh, on some news and based on what I liked and liked, liked last week and liked about them coming into the year. Any thoughts on this game?
2: I'm lucky to get both sides of this. I know if you guys go onto the Action app, you'll sometimes see me take the other side of games, and this is a perfect one. A couple of days ago, Georgia State was listed as plus one. Uh, I have them power rated as minus one in this game, so I happily took the plus one this thing has swung all the way to Georgia state minus three. So today uh, happily put in a bet on Charlotte plus three, mostly because of what Stucky talked about this COVID news that's coming around. And, and more importantly, uh, you know, quarterback Chris Reynolds has a banged up shoulder and he was reading the Davy County enterprise record uh, from a couple hours ago, Reynolds might play. He might be out for a week. He might be out for the season. I mean, th- this is the report. Last night on local radio, Will Healy, uh, head coach of Charlotte, came out and said the next two days will decide whether Chris Reynolds is going to play in this game or not. He's a huge piece of the Charlotte offense. Uh, they are a you know they can run on the ground. They they can really attack you on the ground. and That's a place where you can get at Georgia State's defense. Um, Trey Harbison the uh, third averaged five point one yards per carry against App State. Um, Chris Reynolds took off ten times from the pocket against App State. So that's how they're going to have to attack Georgia State and get the win here. Uh, But with so many questionable, you know, COVID and banged up shoulders and he might not play, he might be out for the year, he could play. I mean, there's just so such a wide range. If I didn't have any money on this game whatsoever and I knew Chris Reynolds was going to play, I'd take a plus three on Charlotte. If he's not playing, I wouldn't touch the game at all because it would be too much to back on Georgia State.
0: Yeah, I'm hearing from a little birdie that Reynolds may play, but their backup, who they're kind of high on, Dom Schaffner, he's been dealing with COVID stuff too. So both of them aren't available. It's a walk-on. Uh, Ratliff, that, that'll, that would be starting at quarterback with, a, with an offensive line, that, a couple offensive linemen who just practiced for the first time in weeks. Not promising. All right, let's move on to some fun belt. Don't let the ladies come between you and the belt. Georgia Southern Louisiana. I'm on Georgia Southern plus 14 here. I'm very high on this team. I throw out the Campbell game. They had 33 guys out. They bring back their entire triple option offense. They address some of their issues on their offensive line, which I think was going to be better this year, was the issue last year. You know, Shea Wirtz, senior quarterback, Wesley Kennedy, their star running back, he's back for this week after missing their opener against Campbell. Same with all of their star defensive players. I think their defense is going to be a lot better this year. I think this is like a sleeper in the conference they're going up. I took plus 14. I liked the plus 14 even before all of the news. Now it's plus 11 and a half. And I don't know if this game's actually going to be played or not, but I liked it. i make this nine and a half. That's how high I am on Georgia Southern. And Louisiana, you know, this is a team, we talked about their fluke win against Iowa State. They should have lost to, to Georgia State. And now they have five, maybe six starters out you know, one of their receivers is banged up and they might be using a walk on and replace him A receiver their star running back. Elijah Mitchell ran for 170 yards against Georgia state. He's out Joe Dillon, their best linebacker. He's out Washington, their best corner. He's out their best tackle. He's out. I mean, these are key players that are out on Louisiana. Um, five starters in total. There's a lot of still COVID uncertainty. I don't, I don't, I'm just going based on the depth chart. Um, and what they they said, Napier came out and said, who's on the depth chart is who's going to play when someone asked them about the other guys. So those guys are out. I don't know if there's going to be any more players out, but I like Georgia Southern. Again, it's a triple triple option team catching double digits and a team I'm high on. And especially with all these uh, COVID losses for Louisiana, uh, who's now ranked. I think you're just getting an inflated number here. And obviously it's been adjusted down about three points as a result of the news right now, BetMGM, Louisiana sits at 11.5-point favorites, over under 51.5. Thoughts on this game? Well, first off, I think you have some sort of COVID magnet.
2: Every time there's some sort of crazy COVID breakout, it's a game that you've got some money on. or Every game, except three. Middle Tennessee State games. Why can't they get canceled? <laughs> right, the COVID? Yeah, right, they, they haven't canceled anything yet. You know, uh, listen, I'm not betting on this game. There's too many unknowns. I'll just leave you with this. You know, ULL had 12 stuffed runs and 50 rushing attempts against Georgia State. I'm not positive they're slowing down Georgia Southern's rushing attack. Uh, they had a problem stuffing runs a really low percentage of Georgia State rushing attempts. They're not going to get it done against Georgia Southern, so uh, but for me, it's a complete segue.
0: Also, the their huge defensive tackle, the transfer from FIU, who's awesome, he's out, and that's huge against a triple option offense. All right, um, let's move on to the Independents. We can't forget about them, and BYU takes on Troy. BYU is currently a 14-point favorite at BetMGM. This game is the late night. It's late. It's basically our Pac-12 after darkdown. dark. Now. It's 10, 10 15 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Uh, BYU is a 14-point favorite. I took Troy plus 14. I like some of the things I saw against Middle Tennessee State, although what can you really take? against middle Tennessee state, but mainly I just think this line is inflated. I make it closer to 10, you know, BYU, the last time that everyone saw them was a couple weeks ago when they beat Navy 55 to three. I mean, that game was nothing about BYU. That was all about Navy not practicing tackling and BYU just handing it off and running dives for touchdowns. So I think this line is, is super inflated. Give me Troy catching two touchdowns thoughts mm-hmm. here.
2: Yeah, I'm going with a different angle. I mean, there's COVID whispers out of BYU. Uh, you know, it's not the gambling night they had a while back, but there's actually current offensive linemen and parents, like, posting on Twitter right now that their kids have pneumonia and COVID and all kinds of stuff running through the team. So, uh, you know, we all know BYU curb stomp, Uh They posted a 41% explosive drive rate, and That's pretty crazy. Uh, Troy had similar success. And the final score against Middle Tennessee, I mean, when you put up a number like that against the Blue Raiders – uh, you would think that there was all kinds of success rate and explosiveness, but there wasn't. Troy ran at a pace of 23 seconds per play. Uh, they had a success rate of 54%. That's national average. Uh, Troy had no explosiveness on offense of all their drives. They had one drive that was an explosive drive. Uh, Troy had just one pass and one rush that went over 20 yards. I, that, when I read that, I thought, well, how did they win this game so much? BYU runs one of the slowest paces in the nation, 31 seconds per play against Navy. But if you look back at years past, they're consistently outside the top 100 in plays per game. BYU wants to run a grind of a game on the ground while Troy struggles at moving the chains and busting chunk yards. Listen, Troy's not an explosive team. They're fast, but they're not explosive. And they're not – they don't have any kind of success rate that's above the bar of the national average. This is an under for me all the way. I, I think – I think Tong is going to eat up Troy's offensive line. I, I think BYU is going to impose their will. Grimes is going to call a running game. I, I know they ran the ball a ton against Navy because they had such a huge lead, but I think this is going to be more of a run game than a pass game. And then to me, I think 61 points is a little bit too much.
0: There you have it. That's your late-night action on ESPN, the under and the dog. All right, before we get to three and out, let's talk some FCS.
2: southland or sec big sky or big 10
0: it's time to play fcs or no all right fcs or no i have nothing this week and i mean i'm doing nfl college football trying to prepare for the french open mlb playoffs i, I, I had no time to look into houston baptist and stephen f austin but you have some thoughts here what do you got
2: Yeah, I mean, Houston Baptist has been able to put up 600 yards on everybody they've played this year. And Louisiana Tech, dealing with COVID, trying to get into sync here, they have BYU on Friday. So they only have six days to prepare for a big BYU game. I don't think they prepared for Houston Baptist whatsoever. So I would look not just at maybe a point spread, but, I mean, the over here. I mean, Houston Baptist is running plays like every 12 seconds. Um, You know, as far as Stephen F. Austin and SMU goes, it's the same thing. I don't know why SMU would focus on a terrible Stephen F. Austin team uh, maybe an under in this game because they have memphis on deck i know air raids like to stay in sync at the same time i'm not going to sh- i'm not sure they're going to play the whole game and steven f austin really has problems putting points on the board so the fcs games houston baptist and Stephen f austin their opponents have big overlook games to the following week all
0: right there you have it i promise uh i will have more fcs intel as the season goes on and we start shedding some sports here uh, but before we get out of here let's go three and out
2: Let's make it a quick three and out.
0: So on first down, let's talk some Friday night lights. Let's hear it, gentlemen. Clear eyes, full hearts. Let's we'll go play some football. Let's go. And we'll talk Middle Tennessee State, my nemesis, uh, taking on UTSA. Oh, boy. I mean, I don't even want to look at this game. Uh, I refuse to, so you're going to basically take it all. UTSA is a 6 and a half-point favorite up at MGM over under 60 and a half. I'm sure this line is too high. I don't care.
2: I've been waiting for this the entire time. Do you really not care that this game literally should be like a pick or, or UTSA
0: by like one? Do you really not care? I need to see life for, for Middleton State before I, I I can't. I just drove to Murphys, bro. A three-and-a-half-hour drive. I prayed at the churches and the Buddhist temples that I would never bet them again. I can't do it four days later. And then we drove three-and-a-half hours back and thought about how of a decision I made in betting Middle Tennessee State against Army and then Middle Tennessee State last week and then Middle Tennessee State live and then Middle Tennessee State second half. So, no, I don't care. But I know the listeners do for the podcast, and it's on Friday night. It's the only game, so give them a winner.
2: I can't see the Stucky I know who couldn't keep himself from Akron games and UMass games last year, and all of a sudden you've cut Middle Tennessee State. So we'll see. I found Jesus. I'm, I'm telling you right now, that number should not be six and a half or seven. It's just sitting there. It's like, oh, man. I mean, I, I do know how hard it's been not to put money on this game because UTSA predominantly rush. They look great against Texas State, high-flying offense, but then they come out and they have a game last week, and it's ugly. I mean, it's low-scoring, 34-point game, and it's all rush. And that's what UTSA predominantly is, is they're a rushing team. Now, do we think Middle Tennessee is actually going to score some points? I think they've had two trips past the 40-yard line. Two trips. Pass the 40-yard line and eight quarters of play. So I think the game you've got – I think what you got to do is an under here. But, man, are you playing with fire. Middle Tennessee State might actually have a pulse. What if UTSA goes apeshit Texas State style and starts running all over the place? Uh, I mean, they're certainly capable of it. I'm telling you, the play here, analytically and from a numbers perspective, is Middle Tennessee State plus seven and under 60. We have one last good weekend of weather here where I live. I am going to do everything I can in my world to not bet on this game. But if I had to middle Tennessee state, the under, and man, if I, I I'm really going to try, it's going to take everything I have. I'm glad you found God, whoever's keeping you from betting the blue Raiders, but it says you should be taking the blue Raiders here. We'll see if you do.
0: Nope. Nope. <laughs> I'm have seen the light. I mean, look, I, I make the number lower too and projecting it early in the air, but what have we seen from middle Tennessee state that they, they, they can't do anything? Do you see their numbers so far? I don't, I don't know what happened to them. I mean, maybe there's going to be some teams like this after COVID summer. So, no thanks. Plus, I have my Stars future. <laughs> I need the Stars to win tomorrow night uh, against the Lightning down 2-1. to one. So, I'll be watching that and preparing for the French Open, maybe betting some baseball. But no Friday Night Lights for me. All right, let's move on to second down here and talk our favorite overdog. For those not familiar, that's our favorite favorite of the weekend. It's called the Overdog Parlay. I'll keep it simple. I already said mine. Alabama first half. Angry Bama coming out against a Missouri team that should be a mess. Make a statement they should move the ball. I think Bama's up by at least 21 at the half. You?
2: Kansas State looked as bad as possible against Arkansas State. Extremely inexperienced uh, at offensive line. Uh, Skyler Thompson, there's nothing wrong with him. He just has to have a little bit of protection. The defense got torched. Oklahoma if you remember, got beat by this team last year, embarrassingly. I don't think Lincoln Riley has forgot about that. They're 28-point favorites, and I think they curb stomp Kansas State here. I, I mean, I'm looking at the ticket splits and the numbers. All, I don't care. Lincoln Riley got beat by this team, and he hasn't forgot it by a first-year coach at Kansas State. I'm sure he hasn't forgot it, and I'm sure this one should be over pretty quick unless they self-destruct and have a bunch of turnovers. Spencer Rattler may have 28 up pretty quick here before halftime. so. Uh, For me, it's going to be Oklahoma, Overdog.
0: Let's move on to third down and talk our favorite Moneyline Underdogs. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. For those that are new here or weren't around last week or didn't check out the Action app, which you should have, um, we hit ours last week. I'm two for two on Moneyline Underdogs. One... All ACC underdog money line parlay last week. You with Miami, me with BC. Uh, This week, I'll tell you that I'm going with the Duke Blue Devils against Virginia. Uh, I think Bryce Perkins was just so important for that Virginia team. It's still a bad offensive line. They lost a a number of top receivers and backs. The defense, I think, was a little overrated. We saw at the end of of last year. And Duke has been gashed in the passing game. And now they're down both their starting cornerbacks. But I don't think Virginia – is built to exploit that the defensive line for Duke is really good. I think that they can get into the backfield. They can stop Virginia's running game and Duke's just been really unlucky so far this year, you know, with turnovers and reds. I mean, they're, I think they're dead last in the nation in turnover margin and in red zone scoring the scores that they had. I talked about it when I had BC, I mean the first half BC was extremely lucky. Um, So I think Duke's due to get some bounces. They've also had two games already. And this will be the first game for Virginia, so I think an advantage there. Uh, this, this is, I like them as a money line underdog piece because there's a lot of variance here with Virginia. So it can either go all wrong or all right. So I'll, I'll take the plus, the Duke, which I think is plus five and a half right now, at MGM, I'll take them on the money line. You?
2: You can't disagree with any of that. I'm going to stick with South Carolina here. I, I love the passing attack. I, I'm not comfortable with Tennessee whatsoever. I think we get a different South Carolina offense. I think Champs seven and one lifetime as a head coach against Tennessee, so uh, we're going to roll with that. And uh, Gamecocks plus one uh, one forty, not big, but at least it's an underdog.
0: There you have it. We'll have a write up for both on actionnetwork.com and the Action Network app on Friday night. Colin, thanks for joining me. Thanks to everyone for listening. As always, if you haven't subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe again, rate, review. They help us a ton. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. Um, we appreciate all of your support. We will be back on Monday morning with the football weekend recap, hopefully, recapping some winners. Don't forget about the voice now. Scream, yell, cry about anything that you were wrong about, we were wrong about, you were right about. Bo Nick's season, UTEP, Liberty.
1: Liberty, Liberty, Liberty.
0: All that. Get it in. Go to my Twitter profile, the voicemail number at Stucky2 is in my profile. Uh, So we'll catch y'all on Monday morning. Good luck with everything this weekend. We'll catch y'all later. Cheers. Peace out. We're finished talking.